And welcome back to the Livingston Parish News Weekly Show, a podcast brought to you by the Livingston Parish News. My name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news, and today I have wrangled the man, the myth, the legend, the director of our library system here in Livingston Parish. I'm going to have him introduce himself. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, my name is Giovanni Tyro. I am the director of the Livingston Parish Library. And, uh, you know, today you are here to just... We're going to talk a little bit about the library system. We're going to talk about your funding because we know that's kind of, uh, it's a little bit of controversy at the moment. Not the first time it's happened. And it was funny too, because you and I were talking before and you said, I tend to talk fast. And I was like, well, I have the same problem. Uh, so first and foremost, I, you know, give us a, probably a two minute overview of the library system. How many employees do you have? How many sites? Uh, you don't have to give us exact locations, uh, okay. but just kind of give us a brief overview of the library system here okay. in Livingston Parish. I would start by saying that Livingston Parish Library is a bustling, modern, thriving library system. We have five physical locations uh, that some of them are designed to serve as regional locations. So when we talk about Denham Springs Walker, this is the area, this is the branch where we serve both the residents of Denham Springs and Walker. So if we start from north, uh, we have a Watson branch up in the Watson area. We go down to Denham Springs Walker. Then we for a move further east, we, uh, we have a regional branch in Livingston that serves the communities of Satsuma and Holden. And then we go further south where we have our south branch, which is also our regional branch mm -hmm. uh, that serves the communities of Prince Settlement, Port Vincent, uh, Killian. And then, of course, we have Albany Springfield okay. uh, where we have um, on Highway 43. And the main branch, uh, I believe you mentioned, is in Livingston. Is in Livingston. This is something statutory. Uh, the, 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 the main branch of the, any parish library in the state of Louisiana is supposed to be where the parish seat is. And that would be Livingston. That would be Livingston. <laughs> so uh, roughly how many employees do you have? So beyond, I guess I wanted also to mention that we also have a newly added, about two years ago, we added our sixth branch, what we call it, our outreach department, okay. and our discovery bookmobile. Okay. So this is a vehicle that's equipped with about 1,500 uh, collection or books uh, and DVDs. And this is one of our critical co components of our service, where we go to nursing homes and daycares and assisted living facilities and bring our services to those that do not have the ability to visit us in person. And so that's that's one of the most critical components of our service as well. So you can bring the library to the people. Yes, exactly. So we, we talk about the library. Often we talk about the library being, it's not an abstract um, term, I guess. You know, there's library somewhere with books and other resources. This is a viable, very active resource that uh, we are focusing on bringing the services to our community, making sure that they benefit from our services. And, you know, unfortunately, due to health issues or maybe some socioeconomic disadvantages, we have a group, uh, good number of people that cannot, cannot come to us physically, and so we bring our services to them. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure they appreciate that. And, of yeah. course, you know, the benefits of a library um, extend beyond just basic literacy. Right. Uh, you know, being able to, uh, I know that most of your, or probably all branches offer uh, internet services. They do. They do. And I want to uh, touch uh, touch upon those different um, subjects as well. But I guess to, to answer your question as far as, so we talk about our facilities. And uh, the, the library has about 90 staff members across the system. I couldn't say that we're the largest employer in the parish, but this is a significant employer. Most of our uh, staff members live in the parish. They live in raise their families in the parish. So out of 90 staff members, probably 50% 50 of them work at the Denham Springs Walker Bridge, and then uh, we go beyond that. Okay. 
Well, and, and, and let's go back to those services. I mean, you know, especially during the pandemic mm-hmm. with, you know, there was a lot of back and forth between the schools and students and parents because not everybody had internet service. Right. Uh, I would imagine that while COVID prevented a lot of kids and, and parents and, and students from coming inside the branches, you still offer Wi-Fi in those areas, correct? Yes, we do. And this is one of the most important things for us to be able to give the, um, especially the disadvantaged members of our community, whether those temporarily due to work um, um, reasons, I guess, or whatnot, we want to bring the same level of service to everyone. You and I know how expensive the internet service is, the subscription. Not everybody is fortunate to afford it. So um, as, the, as far as the pandemic goes, we want it to be the most active and responsive to the needs of our community. So when the pandemic hit hard, we decided to uh, to provide additional resources to our community. We do circulate hot, uh, Wi-Fi hotspots to our community. We increased the number of those Wi-Fi hotspots that we were able to check out. Um, then we also were able to increase the the uh, our Wi-Fi signal to where when the libraries were closed, uh, I think it was April and March of last year, we were able to increase our Wi-Fi throughput and blast the signal across all parking spaces. So while the libraries were closed, we were we were widely advertising that the library is available, and you can come to the library, park your uh, vehicle on the parking lot, and then provide that free Wi-Fi signal to our community. So, so that that was a big deal for you know students and people alike, as you said. Right. I mean, and I'm sorry I forgot that because there were a lot of people who were suddenly had to work from home, but might not, exactly. not be not, might not have the budget for at-home internet that's required to be able to do that. You know, maybe enough to check an email at home, but if you had to do something more substantial, you were up a creek. Right. Right. And it, interestingly, uh, we keep our statistics. You know, the library keeps statistics of library visits and how many books we check out and how many wireless Wi-Fi sessions we have each month. And during the p- pandemic, even when the library was closed, and typically on average we have 40, I mean, 4,000 to 4,500 uh, wireless sessions a month. During the pandemic, we were hovering around 2,000 to 3,000 wireless sessions. So we know we didn't go down, uh, our usage did not go down when it comes to technology, and we were able and happy to provide this service to our community. So this is something that we give back, I guess, uh, as a return on investment. Um, sure. A couple of things I wanted to mention, uh, uh, that they approximate that uh, 20% of our community members do not have broadband access mm-hmm. at home at all. Ten uh, percent uh, of our community members may not have a computer at home, and as high as seven percent do not have internet access at all. So this is where the library comes in and provides what we call we we, we build a uh, bridge in the digital divide, where we 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 try to to provide the resources unhindered access to those resources to maybe those members that are members of our community that are less fortunate. Sure. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit, real brief, uh, about some of the other uh, things that are offered through the library? Oh, we would probably spend more than 30 minutes just talking about I, that. I know, I know that. Yeah. I, I, maybe some of the high points. I mean, I know that y'all do, uh, you'll have a partnership, I believe, is through Mighty Moms for some of the yes. schools to provide yeah. uh, provide meals. So, yeah. So if we focus on, um, you know, our partnerships, we are very fortunate uh, to have been able to build those partnership partnerships with our um, nonprofit organizations like Mighty Moms. Uh, through that partnership, we were able to kind of begin our relationship with the school system, uh, where the school system works with us and the Mighty Moms to provide free meals to students that may be uh, going hungry um, uh, on a daily basis. Um, so we're proud of that relationship. Also, through the relationship with Mighty Moms and the school board, 
we were able to introduce a free library card to all 26,000 students in our community. So um, if you don't know, every year we issue about 26,000 new library cards to all, to all of the student population in, in Livingston Parish. So that gives them the ability to use our electronic resources and then come to the library and use a few t free tutoring sessions. We, uh, we provide free uh, homework help and you know, research, access to research databases and things of that nature. And our, our goal there is that, you know, we have families that can physically come to our locations and bring their kids and participate in programming, but there are some that are probably less fortunate or just don't have the ability to travel. And so we are trying to reach out again to those families that maybe don't have the opportunity to come to us physically. We issue those students with uh, library cards, electronic library cards, and now you have access to ebooks and free homework help and things like that. So sure. That's... And, you know, it, it's it's important for a library system to be partnered with school systems and, and other other such community-based organizations. Uh, but without funding, uh, some of those partnerships, or at least the level of participation in some of those partnerships, uh, might not be as high as it is now. Mm -hmm. uh, let, so let's shift gears. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about funding. Um, you have a 10 mil parish-wide tax. Uh, so let's give us the, you know, I don't want to say give us the 32,000 foot view of your budget, but give us a couple of ideas of, of a few line items under revenues, a few line items under expenditures, and, and we'll talk about what spits out at the end. Okay, so uh, 10 meals, um, it's a, like you said, uh, our, our tax is a parish-wide tax. Uh, 10 meals um, are projected to generate about 5.7, 5.9 million dollars uh, this this year so out of that amount we are charged and if you actually come I'm, I'm going to kind of roll back a little bit so when we go when we went to uh before the voters in 2014 so we're coming up on the uh, tax renewal in 2024 in 2014 what was put on the ballot uh, specifically said for operating acquiring maintaining and um constructing livingston parish library Okay. So with that sense in mind, I guess that kind of sets the tone to what we have as an obligation before our taxpayers, that we're giving these funds not only to run the operations of the library day to day, but also be able to project what's going to happen and how we're going to address those issues as they come up. So again, but you know, like I mentioned, 10 mills produce about, let's say, $5.7 million a year. Um, that's about 96% of our revenue. And also important to mention, as our uh, revenues um, have been steadily going up, uh, we have made certain adjustments to bring back the, the value back to the community. So like, if you don't remember, or if you, just to mention, uh, a few years ago, we eliminated overdue fines completely. So we're not charging our patrons for overdue books anymore. This is our way to adjust and, uh, and, 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 you know, we don't need those additional funds, so we make the library more accessible. And there were so many uh, testimonies, and, and people were telling us the only reason why they didn't use the library is because they were afraid of fines. Now we eliminated, we eliminated that, that obstacle. So when we were here, I mean, the library was in the midst of the pandemic. We were here when the flood happened. So our response to the community because we manage our funds very judiciously, we're good stewards of money. So when the flood happened, the decision was made and the board approved it 
that we stopped charging people for copies or faxes. So when you came to the library and you had to send your huge report or uh, claim, claim to the bank or the insurance, we didn't charge for faxing or copying. In fact, I have a story. A year after the flood happened, the majority of the claims, I guess, had been uh, submitted and produced. Uh, I was helping at the Denham Springs Walker Branch, and I walked into our computer lab, and I noticed um, uh, a lady was standing there and kind of distraught, and uh, I asked her if she needed help. Well, she was trying to scan a very thick uh, pile of documents, and she said she was trying to uh, send it to her, to her bank or insurance company. And uh, I asked her if I could help, but she said, well, she's trying to scan it. It's not going through. I said, well, let's try and fax it. Well, she said, I can't afford it. There's about 80 pages here, and I don't have, I don't have $80 to send it. I said, ma'am, if it's related to flood or your situation, faxing is free. And she teared up. She gave me a hug, which was unusual. We're standing right there in the middle of the computer lab, and she's hugging me and thanking me for... Uh, for this kind of, you know, help. And sure. to me, it's it's not me. The library does not belong to me. This is, I see it as our community responding as a whole through the library to provide the need to someone who needs, you know, to, who, to provide help to someone who needs it. Sure. So, so uh, you know, good story. And, uh, you know, you have your, some of those revenues have been removed. You don't have your fine. Not all fines have been removed, but a lot of them have. <laughs> Uh, moving over to the expenses, of course, you know, for a, a large employer such as yourself, a lot of expenses for uh, wages and benefits, of course. Right. And, and you know, but you are providing those folks with a job and, and they are serving the community. Uh, what are a couple other expenses? You know, okay. utilities are usually high. Right. And you're right. Uh, you're right on, on you're right on the money. As they say, 60 uh, percent of our expenses are uh, salaries and benefits. OK. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, the cost of health insurance has been going up, and we're a small group, so we're carrying our, our own health insurance. So we've been seeing steady increases in health insurance as well. In fact, since 2014, our insurance has gone up by uh, 60%, if I'm not mistaken. So that's, that's pretty normal, yeah, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, right. And so 60% of our uh, expenses go toward uh, paying the staff to, okay. oper to operate the library. Um, then a good portion, I would say 20%. And again, I don't remember... Ideally, I guess exactly, but the, the next largest component of our expenses is our collection. This is the mission of the library. So, uh, by, by collection, I mean uh, electronic research databases, ebooks, um, books, and videos, and downloadable units, and things like that. So, from from you know staff, we go to collection, and then goes uh, I guess another big component is maintenance, and this is where really uh, kind of where it all starts. I guess the conversation probably starts too, because as I mentioned, our funds are not only to run the library every year, but to make sure that we provide the resource stays here. Uh, the libraries weren't built for five years. We, we're hoping to see them here for next 40 years. And so in, in my opinion, I guess, and the board supports me, is that we have to maintain our facilities to the highest level. I think the, our taxpayers, our citizens deserve it. Because this is the last, I guess this is the last thing you want to you want to see. Uh, sometimes you walk into a governmental entity's building, and you you'll probably see dirty carpet or stained ceiling tiles. This is definitely not our libraries. Our libraries, as I always say, they're um, they're jewel in the crown of Livingston Parish. Um, our people, our uh, both patrons, our users, and staff 
are very proud of our of their of their libraries. And so we invest heavily into making sure that the libraries are clean, they're well maintained. Um, our neighboring library recently, and there's another story, I guess, if it's worth mentioning, um, due to lack in maintenance or whatnot. So like, to us, it's important, for instance, a, a leaky roof may not be an issue elsewhere, but we have such an expensive collection. We've made an investment in making sure that we have the books and um, that people want to read. And, and so what I'm trying to say is that even a small roof leak can cause expensive damages to our collection. We're talking about hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars for mold mitigation. Mold develops fast and takes over the collection extremely fast if it happens. Well, it's all so, paper. Right. So we, we have to make sure that the uh, HVAC equipment is well controlled. There are no leaky roofs and pipes and so forth. So like to answer your question, I guess, uh, to, um, to circle back around to your question, um, staffing expenses, collection, uh, maintenance, and, you know, all the other things that we put into uh, supporting our programming, buying supplies from books to uh, programming supplies, crafts, materials, and things like that. I want to talk a second about, you know, good stewardship, because you brought that up, good stewardship of money. I want to want to go back to what you just said about maintenance, because we're going to talk about the, the extra portion in a second. But when you're talking about maintenance, uh, would you define that as protecting taxpayer investment? Because uh, to give an example, you're talking about that library somewhere else. Uh, those taxpayers there are, are constantly paying their millage every year, their property tax into the kitty. The library is using it to do certain things. But at the same time, without good maintenance, one could suggest that that investment is actually being weathered away from the ground up. Uh, is, is that kind of the view that y'all take with regard to maintenance? I do appreciate you saying this because that's exactly what we're trying to do because we're protecting our community's investment into our library. And, again, from, and to maybe preempt, preempt a question, uh, the library does have a reserve fund specifically designed to make sure that most of the large projects that come up are not affecting our operating budget. So in other words, about three to five, sometimes as high as 10% of our annual income or re revenue is set aside or dedicated for capital projects. So we developed a plan uh, that covers uh, from 2017 all the way to 2033. We have lined, outlined different large projects that will have to be addressed to make sure that the library not only stays functional, but also clean and well-maintained. And unfortunately, the costs uh, go up. And let's say, for instance, we're now looking at replacing a chiller unit at our Albany-Springfield branch. Um, unfortunately, it decided to go out sooner than the manufacturer's rating would recommend, but we're looking at approximately $75,000 in replacement costs. And this is just one of the small, you know, smaller items that that happened this year. We had an issue with the uh, roof at the main branch this year, and I had hard time or difficult time with the manufacturer of shingle to to get them to commit to replacing the shingle, uh, the cost of shingles. So we were going to put that money up front to make sure that the library gets the the library's roof gets replaced. And things like that happen either unexpectedly, and there are certain things that we plan ahead for. Um, you know, technology replacements are important to our community, and we run uh, on about a five to six year cycle. We try to upgrade the technology 
to give our, our community, our users, newer computers. And as we approach usually the fifth year of usage of those computers, as they age, um, I get uh, usually more and more patron comments. Uh, we usually, um, we have um, places in our branches where people can leave their comments about our service. And as we approach the year, like the fifth or sixth year, when the computers need to be replaced, I'll see more complaints about computers that are too slow. So, and those those expenditures are extremely high. Uh, typically, uh, we have close to 200 computers across the system. So you're looking at um, anywhere from 200000 to $250,000 in replacement costs. And we couldn't do that without setting the money aside and planning ahead. Another good example is that, and so to kind of mention it, uh, this approach to funding large projects is called pay-as-you-go method. So our goal is not to approach the pay, uh, uh, not to approach taxpayers for additional money every time something happens. Um, by approaching this money management in this frugal and kind of judicious way, we were able to accomplish big projects. Uh, for instance, when the uh, in 2012 the main branch facility was constructed in uh, in the town of Livingston. We did not go to the voters for additional funding. We were able to complete uh, the, the whole project, the whole construction, without approaching for additional taxes or the issue uh, the issue of bonds. So there was no extra tax burden or, or, or debt, debt burden. burden. Mm -hmm. So uh, the same way when the community of Denver Springs and Walker area um, indicated to us that they needed a, a bigger facility, and this is our most big, uh, the biggest and most busy branch, we were able to accomplish the construction of the facility, again, without going to the voters and asking them for additional funding. And so as our community grows, and you know, I think if I remember my numbers correctly, uh, back in 2001, our population was around 95,000. Mm -hmm. Now in 2021, we are uh, close to 150,000. So inevitably, as our community grows, I think it's judicious and prudent and kind of maybe uh, in long terms, what we're trying to do and see Potentially, uh, two years from now, five years from now, I'm not sure, we may have to be able to build another facility somewhere because our the idea that each community deserves a library. And I think, you know, whether you're in Killian or, or uh, Satsuma, no matter, depends on where the, and how the parish grows, we may be able to accomplish those lofty goals without putting that burden on the taxpayer because they've already made the investment and uh, we try to... To fulfill our promise, right. So you you kind of beat me to a punch on one part. I was going to ask about uh, you know with the library being more advanced technologically, yes. there's a maintenance investment there. But you you beat me to that punch. But and you also talked about it as well. There is a uh, positive balance at usually at the end of the year based on the budget. Mm -hmm. And uh, it sounds to me like you fight for every little dollar. You know, if there's a roof problem, you're fighting with the manufacturer. Right. You know, if there's a if there's some kind of HVAC problem, uh, you're on top of that as well. And y'all use that extra funding to either move towards a future goal or perhaps pay up front while you fight for the manufacturer because you don't want to have a problem in the meantime, correct? Exactly. That's exactly tr true. And uh, another story comes to mind. Several years ago, uh, unfortunately, uh, someone drove through the wall of the Denim Springs Walker Branch. Right. And so the uh, and you know the insurance process usually takes longer than you would hope for, and we were facing about fifty thousand dollars in unexpected expenses. And so this kind of Advanced planning helps us address those issues before, you know, when things happen, when things happen. 
So some people, uh, and, and Parish Councilman Shane Mack of District 9 uh, has kind of seen your budget, has seen that there's X amount of dollars. He also sees that there's a remainder. Uh, recently, two unfunded districts, six and seven, were combined into a District 8. It's a very large, unfunded gravity drainage district. They're looking for money. They're very early on in their process. They set their sights on uh, at least part of your millage. Now, first and foremost, if they wanted to take part of it, it would have to go before a vote of the people. Uh, the second part is, you know, as we talk through library services in your budget today, it really doesn't look like y'all have a whole lot of money to to give. Y'all have a plan. Uh, you have a budget in place. You're being good stewards of the money. Um, first, I want to talk about, uh, you know, this isn't the first time. Well, we mentioned that at the beginning of the show. In 2019, he brought it up at that point. The parish council, uh, the rest of his parish, parish council people really weren't interested in hearing it. It, it kind of died on the vine uh, up there at the dais. I was actually covering the parish council at the time. Moving forward to today, a, sort of a newfound uh, energy to it. Uh, obviously, they've combined these two together. They're looking for funding. Uh, what would you say uh, to the to those who live in Gravity Drainage District 8, to Parish Councilman Shane Mack, to say, uh, this is not the funding you need to be coming after? That's a good question. It's been on my mind since, I guess, the issue came up again recently. Um, to me, it's the issue of math, right? So, there's a there's a possible if we're talking about possible reductions. Now, if you talk if you if you're talking about our reserve fund, uh, yes, you know if voters agree and it's taken away, we're not able to project and and deliver on the promise of maintaining and constructing libraries as we move into the future. Um, as we talk about our funding, our annual revenue, no cuts come without consequences, I guess. And depending on the severity of cuts, and uh, we'll have to adjust. Um, I cannot say that you know, adjustments are impossible, but depending on the severity of those reductions, we may have to look into reducing how much books we can buy, or how many programs we can offer to the public, or if we can even employ some of our staff because you know, the discussion was, I guess, initially as to as much as 50% reduction of our, of our funding. Uh, again, depending on the severity of cuts, some of them can be extremely devastating. Sure. And it's, you know, it's not, it's just the reality of, of budget. If you reduce the budget by a certain amount, you're going to have to adjust somewhere. And, and, you know, I guess I would like to reiterate that I respect the, our elected officials' desire to look for alternative methods of funding. Uh, this is their prerogative. Um, they have to you know, answer to their taxpayers. Um, but I also believe that our taxpayers and our parish citizens deserve the best when it comes to literacy, education, life, lifelong learning. So you, 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 it's, it's a, it would be a devastating impact and, and, and a disaster, I guess, of sorts, that if that were to happen. You uh, Would you say that it could kind of set off a, a bit of a chain reaction when it comes to how the library deals with things? You know, it, it could lead to the reimplementation of late fees and, and things of that nature, making the library a little less accessible. Potentially. Okay. Potentially. What, you know, the other thing that, that, that bears repeating is that there are several areas that already have funded gravity drainage uh, that 
may not be in line with this or may just decide if they have to choose between reducing y'all to five mils from 10 and putting those five mils off the books, what would you say to the, let, let's say it goes through, what would you say to those folks to, to keep those 10 mils? Because you got to remember, there's a Denham Springs Walker Branch Library, where and one in five are Denham Springs and Walker, and there is a Watson Library, which grabbed you drainage district two. Uh, what would you say to those folks? Well, yeah, I think you touched on a, there's a point that it's a, it's a, um, the library's tax is a parish-wide tax. So it benefits everyone in our community. So when the tax is cut, it affects everyone as well. So it is a most difficult and sometimes maybe unfair decision. And as administrators, you have to take those steps carefully and you know decide, depending on the severity of reductions, what community is going to suffer the most. And you know this is purely hypothetical, but are we looking at shutting down the branches in the communities where the district is located. So we're looking at shutting down Albany, Springfield, or South Branch, and you know, I would, wouldn't want to do that. So if you, if you, if you apply those cuts across, across the board, then the communities that are already paying into their drainage system and they're paying towards their library, all of a sudden are punished and cannot see the same level of services that, to, which they're, to which they're used. Sure. Um, you know, like I, I often think about the library being as a, an economic engine for the community. And um, let's talk, I guess I would like to mention, we, we live in a free market. So, and we keep statistics in our, in our library system. So each transaction can be equated to a certain market cost. And what I mean by that, let's say if you were to go and buy a book, you would on average spend $9 a book. If you were to download an ebook, it would cost you about the same amount. Um, we're talking about an e-magazine, that's $4.99. So there, our collection items are tangible physical items that we purchase. So from there, what we do is we, we calculate how many times each, books, each book was checked out, how many circulations the e-magazine or video have, um, how many circulations happened during the year. So when we're talking about our revenues at about $5.7 million a year, but then we apply the market cost of each transaction, computer usage, participation in a program, because those artists and musicians and uh, presenters sometimes don't come free. So each transaction that we deliver to our community has a dollar value to it. Sure. And so when we when we calculate the transactions, we found that on average our return on investment or what the community gets back is about fourteen million dollars a year. So that's probably one of the biggest selling points is that what you put in our library, you get back and then some. Right. Um, when we talk about the library, again as a whole, as a parish wide system, and we're an award winning library. Um, I'm proud to say that we often get phone calls from different states across the country, even inter international phone calls. Uh, we had a phone call, an email from France and Australia, where people discover that Livingston Parish Library, our Livingston Parish Library, does something so well that it catches the attention of another librarian somewhere in the country or outside. And they tell us, how do you, how do, you do it? Or can you share your resources because we want to replicate? The virtual programs that we put uh, put out last year 
produced so much attention, we had other parish libraries calling us and asking us not to take the videos down because their patrons were using our produced videos. But again, going back to our the library being the economic engine for the community, again, you look at it as a whole. And when people try to decide where they want to live, they typically look at the crime rate. They look at the quality of their school system. And then they look at how well the library is funded and what it provides. And so as a whole, if we make our parish attractive to, to raise the family, to live in, to retire, we are part of that formula. And we, although it does cost money to run all those different government services, I think as a whole, as a whole formula, we make this parish a lot more attractive. And we're able to attract people to come here and settle down and uh, be a part of Livingston Parish. So again, um, anything you, I mean, that was a pretty good wrap up. So, I mean, is there anything else you'd like to say uh, before we sign off here today? You know, we're very passionate about our libraries and, you know, librarians are by, by default they are going to be very passionate about what they do. This is not, this is not the most glamorous job in the world, you know, but what we're really the passion, where the passion comes from is, um, is our ability to help people that we recognize that education literacy is extremely important and so this is our investment into the future of this parish and and if we had if we, we if we if we put that kind of investment in, in in at risk that we're looking into um it i think i think the outcomes are going to be devastating um there are some numbers i saw i saw recently uh, they said that uh two-thirds of the children that cannot read proficiently by grade four are most likely end up on welfare or in a or in a court system, I guess, in a juvenile system in the future. Uh, they mentioned that sixty to seventy-five percent of inmates are functionally illiterate. So there's a strong correlation in my mind is that you don't invest in the future of your children. You don't if you don't invest in in lifelong learning and education, you're gonna reap those results. Maybe not immediately, but years years ahead. So, I would like for us. To, I would like to see our library succeed. I would like to see our, our parish prosper. Uh, I think we're uh, an integral part of of the success what Livingston Parish is. I don't negate the importance of drainage. And, uh, I just I just think that we have to give focus and priority to each to each individual entity and you know, support the library system. Sure. So it, it would be of your belief that they need to go, you know, you have your voted in mandated money and they need to go find money somewhere else because it would have a devastating effect to a, a sort of a community pillar and partner. Yes, sir. Well, again, uh, sir, we appreciate you taking the time this afternoon. If you'll introduce yourself, basically reintroduce yourself, please. Right. Uh, my name is Giovanni Tyroff. I'm the director of the Livingston Parish Library. And my name is McHugh David, publisher and editor of the news. We appreciate it sitting down with you this afternoon, sir. Please remember the news is on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. We are once a week imprint on Thursdays at $7 a month to get that in your mailbox. We're also online, www.livingstonparishnews.com. We release this podcast on all plat podcast platforms. I always want to try to put those words together. We, all, we release this show on all podcast platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, so you can check them out there. We appreciate Anchor FM distributing that for us. We want to thank Mr. Giovanni Tyroff for sitting down with us again. 
Uh, we hope you guys consider the points he brought up about the library uh, as we move forward. Uh, Gravity Aid is going to be looking for funding. And, of course, the ever-passionate librarian, uh, Mr. Tyroff, is here uh, to defend uh, what the voters voted in for his system. So please keep that in mind as the situation moves forward. We appreciate you guys joining us, and we will see you next time.